Hello, you're listening to audio from First Church Butler. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit butlerfumc.com and connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at First Church Butler. So I don't know whether you saw the great public service announcement that was running early in this past week. I caught it a couple of times, but I thought it was quite helpful. Don't forget to turn your bathroom scales back 15 pounds Wednesday night at 1 a.m. for Thanksgiving. Did you catch that one? I I thought that was a really interesting way of coping with Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you had a Thanksgiving you didn't regret when it comes to the bathroom scales. I also read something that I thought was interesting. The average American gains between 7 and 15 pounds between Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. No average people in here. Right? Wow. Between 7 and 15 pounds between Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. I guess that's why you set the scales back on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, 15 pounds. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. Now you might wonder, what in the world does our weight have to do with a brand new series of messages called The Glory of Christmas? Well, actually, the word weight is appropriate when we begin to talk about the glory of Christmas. See, the the word glory in Hebrew is the word kavod. And kavod in Hebrew not only means glory, but it also means weight. So this series of messages could actually be titled The Weight of Christmas. I think we need to see Christmas. We need to respect it as weighty. As something that is important. As something that really actually leads us ultimately to awe and to wonder and to worship. It it doesn't always happen that way for us, though, does it? Christmas. Because you and I both know that our experience of the weight of Christmas often feels a little more like this, doesn't it? It feels a whole lot more like trying to get everything purchased. It feels like trying to get the decorations up and the baking done and the ugly Christmas sweaters ready for all of the parties. How about an ugly Christmas sweater Sunday? Should we do that? Okay, we have a mixed house. This side suggests yes, this side is unresponsive. So there's a little bit of a debate there. But you know, Christmas, we feel the weight of Christmas a whole lot more when it it comes to getting stuff done than it does the importance of Christmas. And tied up in all of that, of course, is whether we're going to have enough, enough time to get it all done, enough money 
to get it all done. Y'all know the drill, right? You've been doing this for how many years when December rolls around? And as we feel that weight of Christmas, the real weight of Christmas, the importance of it, the weightiness of it, can sometimes slip right through our fingers. Sometimes, for us to get that, the the significance of Christmas, the glory of Christmas. The Lord has to step into our lives and, and just shake things up a little bit. Has that ever happened in your life? You get into a rut. You ever gotten into a rut in your life? You ever get into a place where you're in a, you feel like you're in a status quo and that sometimes the Lord just needs to come into that place and just shake things up a little bit? Has the Lord ever done that in your life? Just, just turn things upside down and shaking things up a little bit. And that the Lord needs to do that sometimes if Christmas, if we're going to feel the weight of Christmas. Like, like this 31-year, 31 31-week 31 pregnant soccer mom, right? Two in college, and all of a sudden she finds out that she is pregnant. Right? I'm, I'm pretty sure that Mary and her husband is not, this isn't what they expected to be doing when they found out that their nest was empty. Maybe they had some plans, thinking that maybe they were going to do some remodeling on the house. Maybe that she was going to, they were going to do some traveling. And, and all of a sudden, she flips open the sonogram pictures of this baby, and she's, she's, joyful about it she's joyful but I'm pretty sure that the college tuition and money for diapers and formula was not what she thought would go hand in hand at this moment in her life have there ever been moments in your life where you had your course set this way and God just shakes it up a little bit and suggests that maybe, maybe you need to go a different direction. What we need to remember when that happens in our lives is that God knows something about plans for our lives. That scripture testifies to, that, that God knows something about what to do with planning that he's good at planning in our lives. Can I bring us back to some of those scriptures that we shared when we lit the Advent candle? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope so that when God does step into our lives sometimes and shake things up, he doesn't do it with an evil intent. He does it with a purpose in mind. And that God is looking to our future and He plans it with hope to give us something to hope for and a future that has a purpose. Is that good news? How about this from the Apostle Paul? But, at, but as it is written, what no eye has seen 
nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now let that sink in just a minute. Can I encourage us that there is a God who is working on something for your life right now beyond what you can imagine? Can I encourage us as a church that God is at work on something for First Church right now beyond what all of the denominational junk that we've been talking about and what we've been hearing, that God is at work on something for First Church right now beyond what we can imagine? Can I encourage us with that? Because that's what that text says. Beyond what our eyes can see, beyond what our ears can hear, beyond even what our hearts can imagine, that God is at work on something beyond what we can even imagine for your life, for my life, for our life together as a church. God is at work on that right now. <sighs> see, that's this God that knows something about planning. And this is my personal favorite. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Another way of saying that, in all of your ways, surrender to Him. And He will make your path straight or He will direct your paths. In all of your ways, surrender to Him. Let him have your plans. Give him your plans. And he will make your paths straight. This God that's working on this future beyond what we can imagine, if we will let him have us, that future can come to pass. Wow. Sometimes, sometimes God chooses to, to unveil His plans in some supernatural, beyond what we could even imagine kind of ways. Let me, let me show you what I mean. There's a story in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn there. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. This is one of those stories that I imagine you've heard before if you have been around church at all when it comes to December. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? 
The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. You talk about shaking up a plan? (laughs) There it is. For no word from God will ever fail. Can I say that again? For no word from God will ever fail. Amen? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Friends, the word of God for the people of God. Let me hear you. Thanks be to God. So, you know, this is one of those stories that I think we hear, but I'm not always sure we hear. You know, every December, you know, when December rolls around, you can pretty well bank on the fact that the preacher is going to read this story, and the preacher is going to read another story about Joseph. That's next week, by the way. But I think we hear these stories, and I'm not always sure we we hear the story because we know them, and they're familiar. We know every December we're going to talk about the fact that the angel visited Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. We We always hear that story. But I'm not always sure that we hear the story. So I want you to hear this story. I want you to realize that when this angel comes to Mary, she is already two-thirds of the way in the midst of a plan. It's a plan that had been worked for Jewish couples for millennia. She is at the stage in this plan called betrothal. She has been betrothed to Joseph. They have worked this plan to the point where the only thing left is for the actual ceremony to occur for she and Joseph to be married. They are, they are living apart, but fidelity is absolutely essential in this moment. The only thing that is left is for the ceremony to happen, for them to be declared husband and wife. They are essentially husband and wife. They just need the ceremony to happen. They must, be, they must have fidelity with one another. This is the same plan that Mary's parents and Joseph's parents went through. The same plan that Mary's parents' parents and Joseph's parents' parents had gone through and and on into the generations before them. It's a plan that had been in place for millennia for Jewish couples. Now I want you to get this. God knew that. God understood that this plan had been in place and that Mary was in the midst of it. God knew that. And yet God stepped into this moment and through the angel said, I'm changing the plan. I'm shaking things up. This plan that had been in place, this this rot, this status quo, this thing that had been in place forever, I'm stepping in here and I'm shaking it up a little bit because I want you to do something for me. I want you to bear my son. (laughs) 
Now, do you suppose that Mary was afraid? Do you suppose she doubted? Do you suppose she wondered what this was all about? Do you suppose she thought at all about what her parents were going to think? Do you suppose she thought at all about what Joseph was going to think? Do you suppose she thought what society was going to think? Sure she did, wouldn't you? I mean, imagine. I mean, do you suppose she had a Scrooge thing going on? This could be a, this could be a, a, a strange piece of beef or an underdone turnip. She had a choice to make. Do I fuss and worry about this? Or do I trust and believe? The plan of God has been presented to me. And I have a choice to make. Will I stay with what I know? Or will I trust and believe that God is at work here? Even when I don't understand it and I don't see the full fruition of it. Will I trust and believe? Her choice was to trust and believe. Her choice was to trust that in nine months this baby would be born. And she chose to trust that God would deal with society and what society thought about her. Her choice was to trust that God would deal with Joseph. And we'll see next week that he had his own issues to deal with. That God would somehow deal with the, the, the details, the logistics of what would have to happen for her to, to give birth to this child. And, and that when the time was right, when, when the plan came to work out, that this baby would be born exactly as God had planned. Hear that story. Hear the fact that God chose to launch the entire plan of salvation for the world through a divine conception in the womb of a young Jewish woman who had never experienced motherhood before. Think of all of the Jewish women God could have chosen from. But God chose this one young Jewish woman and entrusted her to grow the glory of God within her and then give birth to full divinity wrapped in full humanity. What kind of a God does family planning like that? The kind of a God who shakes things up. The kind of a God who says, I entrust my only begotten son to a young Jewish woman who has never known motherhood before. The kind of a God that says to a former soccer mom, you're not done yet. And the kind of a God that says to you, and to me, I know the plan I have for your life. And it's a good plan. It's a plan that has purpose. 
It's a plan that has a future that is filled with hope. Do you believe it? Now that plan, for it to become real in your life and mine, according to the story of Luke's Mary, requires two things. It requires submission and it requires trust. Remember what Mary said at the end of that? I am the Lord's servant, she said. May your word to me be fulfilled. She, she had that choice to make. And you and I have that same choice to make. I mean, there are many different plans that we can follow with our lives. There are many plans we can follow as a church. There are many options. We have to choose to decide in the midst of this crazy world, will we choose to believe that God's not done with us yet? That God's not done with you or with me, no matter what our past has been, no matter what our present might look with, God's not done with us yet. That God's got a future plan and it's full of hope if we will give our lives to it, if we will choose it. And that second word, that choice, involves a willingness to say that the God who is giving us the plan is trustworthy, that he will fulfill the plan. And being trustworthy, knowing God to be trustworthy, requires relationship, right? We have to be in relationship with him. We have to build that relationship. Engage that relationship, nurture that relationship so that we can know that the God who says, I have a future for you and it's full of hope is trustworthy because we're connected to it. It's kind of like a willingness to, to give up our own program. I'll, I'll give up what seems right to me so that I can make room to embrace something that's even better. Let me tell you what happened at Thanksgiving at our house. See, ever since Betsy and I have been hosting Thanksgiving dinner at our house, it's been my job to carve the turkey. So this year, we were going to have dinner between 2 and 2.30 at our house, and Zach and Kate and the kids came over about 1.45. And for reasons that Betsy and I can't figure out, our grandkids discovered that in our downstairs bathroom they discovered a, a glass jar full of seashells. Now, for some reason, these had gone unnoticed to them until Thanksgiving Day. And they decided that it would be kind of fun for them to bring the seashells out of this jar one at a time to Pappy sitting in his recliner in the living room. So you have this picture now. One by one, Carter would bring one, and then Sophie would bring one, and then Carter would bring one. They couldn't bring the whole jar. One by one. And this is not an insignificant jar of seashells. This is a rather significant jar of seashells. And we would line them up on the arms of my recliner and we would arrange them in a nice detailed pattern on the arms of my recliner 
Now I understand that some of these seashells still have sand in them from whence they came. And so I was kind of trying to be careful about making sure that they were aligned properly and that they wouldn't kind of go everywhere. And so Carter would say, pap, here. And Sophie would say, no, here. And we were having some fun lining all of this up, but I knew that it was getting close to time to eat. And so I was listening for, for Betsy to say, David, it's time to carve the turkey. So we're lining this up. And then all of a sudden, my wife says to me, it's time to eat. Wait, what? And so I took Carter in one hand and Sophie in the other, and we walked into the kitchen. And I said, Isn't it, don't I have to carve the turkey? And she said, I did it. You what? She carved the turkey. I said, what? And she said, well, you were having such a good time with the grandkids. I thought it was more important that you did that and not carve the turkey. See, so, sometimes you, you got to let go of things that you thought were important so that you can embrace some things that are more important. Is that making sense? Where might God? In your life right now, whether you're in this space, whether you are watching at home someplace, where, where might God be inviting you right now to let go of some, some plans that you've had in place and you've been defending stubbornly for a long time? Where might God be wanting to shake some things up in your life? Where do you need to let God invite Invite God in to just bring a change of plans to you. Where do you need to let go of some things so that you can embrace something new that God might be wanting to do in your life? Where are you in a rut? Where have you been doing things the same way for so long that it's just become status quo? Where do you need to invite God in to turn your plans upside down? so that God can bring something new into your life. Remember, the God who does that is the God who says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans with a purpose and not for evil. They are plans to give you a future that is full of hope. Maybe what our 31-week-old Mary said at the end is right. I need to let go of my plans and let the good shepherd carry me.